We've been around the block as a podcast coming to you from the heart of the KZN Midlands. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Anthony Jarvie, and today's guest is Grant Pringle, or a bit of an internet sensation, really. Thanks for having me back, Ant. I'm starting to feel like a really serious repeat offender, and I hope the parole board takes pity on me in the future. Very welcome back, Grant. Thank you, Ant. Today, I would like to discuss the technology coming through the Corteva pipeline. And Grant, I've been on a little tour with your agronomist teammates going through um, the Free State and Pumalanga discussing the technology pipeline within the Panel brand. And there are a number of new technologies coming out in maize, right? Yes, so we have the power core launch happening through this season for planting in the coming planting window. And that is a, a multi-stack insect tolerance trait along with glyphosate herbicide tolerance. So that's the next concept or technology in, technology the, in, in the maize side. So yeah, we, we're looking forward to the next step in terms of the soybean traits. Right, and so that was my job on the tour was to explain the soybean technology coming through the pipeline. And so today's podcast will deal exclusively with the technology pipeline for soybeans within the Corteva group. As a best practice in terms of full disclosure, I think it's important that I mention that whilst I do not work for Corteva, I do consult to them and I am contracted to work on the technology project that we are about to discuss today. So after the short break, we will look at what is new in the pipeline. So don't go away. This episode is proudly sponsored by Panaceed. Perhaps I should use this opportunity to explain the relationship between Pana and Corteva. So Corteva is the global parent company that develops technology and delivers it to the farm gate via its many brands. Panay is a well-established local brand that has been in the African market for many years. To use a motoring analogy, it's a bit like Ford and Mazda that at one stage shared technology. So the Ford and Mazda pickups were very similar, but each brand had a very loyal following based on how they delivered this technology to the customer. In the same way, technology in the seed business will be shared by the Corteva brands. But each brand has a very unique way of incorporating this into their business. So Grant, many things are called technology and, and actually the seed is, is really the vehicle which delivers technology to, to the farmer? Yeah, certainly. And that technology is diverse. So even within the seed, there's the genetic gain that plant breeders are able to extract with the conventional breeding practices of just refining the characteristics and the yield potential of the germplasm. And then there's also obviously the the genetic modification aspects of it. The new traits the, which, the which traits are added. That, that can be built into that base genetics. Right. And actually there's also added technology which could be added onto the seed, right? So that would be seed treatments. Your seed treatments definitely giving you advantages in terms of germination and protecting that seedling to give it the best start that is possible. And then also the technology that agronomists build into the program in terms of fertilization, crop protection, all of those aspects are all technologies that add and contribute to yield over time. 
Yeah, you know, we have, we've discussed this on, on a previous podcast, how soybean yields have really doubled in the last 40 years. And, and this is as a result of technology, not all of it genetic, but it really is technology. So the non-genetic side of it would be agronomic practices that have evolved over the time. So, yes. Yeah. Things like uh, no-till. Yeah, no-till has had a huge influence on soybean production just giving that soil a bit more structure and a better rooting environment for the bean itself has added to the performance of the crop. Yeah, and along with that is rotation. And then, you know, if you look at other things, you could add herbicides, you know, the new new herbicide technology. Also things like fungicides, right? Yes, so, so the use of fungicides even 15 years ago or 20 years ago before the outbreak of soybean rust yeah. was, was probably not a common thing on soybeans. Now it's becoming more routine and definitely is contributing towards the, the, the improvement in, in the yield. Yeah, right. So what we really want to talk today about is the new technologies that are coming through. And so these technologies are, are actually only being released because of a change in the way soybean research is being funded. We've also had a podcast on the endpoint royalty. And without the endpoint royalty, there would be no new technologies moving into this market. And, and that is fairly clear. So the new technologies that we are about to discuss are a direct response to the fact that the endpoint royalty is now delivering added revenue for companies to be able to do additional research. So Grant, the technology I want to discuss is, is called E3 and CE3. And so what I'd like to do is perhaps just explain what E3 is and what CE3 is. And then also there's the herbicide in list. And so we need, we need to actually just tease these concepts apart and look at each one individually. Yeah, so and maybe to take a little step back as well is the reason why these new technologies are, are coming to the fore is, you know, all across the country, we are seeing little signs that the, the glyphosate tolerant soybean package is allowing escapes of certain weed species within the system and there are certainly instances of giant palmer amaranth that has been imported which is glyphosate tolerant arriving in south africa and becoming part of our weed landscape and there are other conaza is becoming very difficult to control with glyphosate so there's some chinks and cracks that have emerged in the traditional herbicide approach that we've used with soybeans so i think that's almost accelerated and created the need or demand for these new new concepts that we're going to discuss today. Yeah, so it actually also doesn't only affect soybeans, right? Because one of the problems, and it's a global problem really, is the overuse of or the over-reliance of farming systems on glyphosate. Correct. Just because it works so well, it's so easy. And I think the, the interaction between glyphosate-tolerant soybeans and glyphosate-tolerant maize varieties compounds that problem in that every year it's the go-to product for every hectare on the farm yeah. and that's a recipe for long-term problems you know when you apply selection pressure you will then force the, the, the weed species the in the weed certain species, they'll, they'll force yeah. be forced in that direction and everything wants to survive so you end up creating your own problem through overuse of a particular technology you know we we mentioned rotation as being one of the technologies which has increased yields locally and globally really but rotation is not only rotating crops rotation is about 
rotating all aspects of your cropping system. Your which production system, yeah. Yes, which includes herbicides, right? And part of the benefit that you have with rotating, say, maize and soybeans is that you may use different herbicides in a sequence in your rotation. Yeah. And this is really good for the longevity of each individual herbicide. Yeah, so that helps protect the active ingredients for both your maize herbicides and options that you would use on soybeans. Right, so what we will discuss today is a new herbicide platform coming to soybean production in South Africa. And it truly is an absolute breakthrough in terms of how we will look at soybean production. And it not only affects the soybeans because, as we've just discussed, the herbicide that you use in your soybean production also affects your maize production. So if you have really good control in your soybean production, it eases up the the issues that you might well have in rotation with maize. Yeah, so as they say, and one year seeds gives you seven years of weeds. So if you're able to get better control of certain species that might have been difficult to control in your soybeans previously, you're not going to have to worry about those in your subsequent maize or other crops that, that you're going to plant into the future. So controlling your weeds so much more efficiently in your soybean crop is going to help you going forward in your other crops in the future. The new trade package that we are about to launch is called E3 and CE3. So there, there are two different options. The E3 is a package of three herbicide resistances. And so two of them are novel. It includes glyphosate resistance. That's the first. The second is 2,4-D resistance. And the third is glufosinate. So the glyphosate we all know, and pretty much most of the soybean production around the country is glyphosate resistant. So that will not be new to the whole soybean production system under E3. But what it does include is the 2,4-D part. And the 2,4-D resistance trait is linked to a new product called Enlist, which is a new choline formulation of 2,4-D. And the third resistance is glufosinate. And this is the active ingredient in Liberty. And so that's really an exciting package of three herbicide resistances coming. And then we have CE3. And so CE3 is obviously the E3 portion, which is the three herbicide resistances. But this is combined with Conquesta. And so that's the C part of the CE3. And the Conquesta is two BT proteins which give lepidopteran insect resistance to the uh, soybean varieties. So that, to me, is a really exciting new development. So there we've got E3, which is the herbicide piece, and the CE3, which is your Herbi insect and herbicide tolerance. And you could equate that to your power core or BR stack, in your maize varieties. So it's got both insect and herbicide tolerance in the same plant. Right. We will work our way through the E3 and CE3 options. We will have a look at refuge considerations because this is, after all, a BT resistance. And as you know from maize production, using the BT trait, you have to have a refuge. And then after we've discussed the refuge considerations, we will have a look at what are the timelines for the release of this new trait. E3 is a GM stack that imparts resistance to herbicides with three modes of action. So we have 2,4-D, we have glyphosate, and we have glufosinate. So Grant, you've already mentioned that additional herbicide resistance 
is something that we will require more of in the future? Yeah, so I think this is the the really important part of the trade package for me is, is the herbicide side of the story. And with that 2,4-D tolerance, which is linked to that enlist herbicide, I think that's going to give us a lot more flexibility in terms of how we control weeds. Right. So just looking at the herbicides then, what you would do is you would use your enlist, your 2,4-D choline formulation in combination in a tank mix with either glyphosate, if you have no problems with using glyphosate, or um, as an alternative, you would use glufosinate. And so you can actually switch and alternate with the two different tank mixes just as your farming practices may require. Oh, and it gives you that option to step away from the reliance on glyphosate that many many farmers are not necessarily addicted to, I won't say, but reliant but on. they're heavily reliant <laughs> on in their practices. It just mm. works so well. So now in your soybean rotation, when you're doing your crop rotation, you can also ro- rotate away from that heavy reliance on glyphosate. You can tank mix your Enlist24D with some glufosinate and get excellent weed control from two different active ingredients aside from the glyphosate that one has traditionally been been reliant on. Right. And so the Conquesta trait, the CE3, right, so the CE3 includes all three herbicide traits, but it also includes two proteins which confer resistance to Lepidopteran insects. The two cryproteins that are used in this trade platform, so it's a five stack, so there's three herbicides, two BTs, and the first BT is cryo-1AC, and this is a very hard-working protein, which is used quite widely, right, and then, as I understand, uh, the 1F is also in your power core. Yes, the 1F is the other component in, in the Corteva power core stack. Right, and so these two BT proteins were not chosen at random. They um, have chosen to work together because there is a synergy between the two proteins. So what this does, it gives you extra breadth and depth in terms of your insect control. So when we say breadth, it means that there are more species controlled. And when we say depth, we mean that because there's a synergistic reaction between the two proteins, that you get better control in some species by having two proteins rather than just one. If you look at the trait stack, there are really two options. So you have E3 on its own or CE3. And these are the only two configurations that you will get. So you won't get the BT without the herbicide, but you do have the option of the herbicide traits without the BT. Yeah, that just gives us a bit of flexibility in the market. If you are more concerned about the herbicide piece, you can use this the straight E3 option, and then you know that you have now three different active ingredients in terms of herbicides that, that you're able to access. And then if you're needing some insect protection in certain environments, I know certainly in KwaZulu-Natal growing environment, the insect pressure is higher, and the advantage of being able to have those BT traits will definitely be something that you can then consider in that system. So it's giving you as the end user a bit more flexibility. You can have it with or without the BT piece of the system. Right. And so we'll come to the refuge. What you would do is you would use the E3 as a refuge for CE3. So when you're planting CE3, you will be um, required to plant a refuge. And so what you would like to do is have this refuge under the same herbicide system as your main crop. 
And so for that reason, you'd use E3 as a refuge on CE3. But, you know, much of the United States has now come over to E3 and they've chosen not to launch CE3 in the US. So they just use the E3 for the herbicide advantages. Yes. Yet in South America, the CE3 has become very, very popular because, because it does offer really good control on Lepidopteran insects. The two BT proteins control Lepidopteran insects above ground feeding. And really there are three species that are very important in soybean production in South Africa. And the public enemy number one for soybean production is your African bollworm, Helicoverpa armigera. So this problem is sporadic. So very often you don't get it every year, but when it does occur, you can have quite serious damage because it not only feeds on the leaves, but it also feeds on the pods. Yeah, so that I think is the significant problem with bollworm is um, not only are you getting your plant defoliated, your pods are getting attacked, so you're losing yield directly as a result of feeding on those pods. Right. And then the other two, which are perhaps lesser problems, but more commonly seen really, are your loop species. And so we have two lupus species which are problematic. It's the Thysanoplusia um, and the Chrysodexus. And so these basically only feed on the leaf material and don't really attack pods. But you can still suffer yield losses as a result of defoliation. So when you're planting broad acres, sometimes the management of insects can slip through the cracks. So certainly seen it in, in maize production. The BT technology in maize has really become the norm in terms of, of the hectares planted in South Africa. The majority of hectares are planted with some BT protection. Peace of mind, right? Peace of mind. And, you know, it's one less thing to have to worry about. So I think that's going to be some of the, the added benefit that's going to come with the Conquesta part of the new trait. Right. And so while we're talking about Conquesta, we really need to talk about refuges as well. So it is critically important that we observe refuge areas and we have had problems in the past with breakdown of bt resistance basically what the refuge does is it slows down the insect's ability to to develop resistance to that bt protein and so it's crucial for the entire industry to make sure that we preserve the action of any and all bt proteins because really we don't have too many options yeah so that just for clarity that refuge is an area of land that's planted with the same crop but without any BT technology traits in it. And that refuge basically reduces the selection pressure off that particular pest by giving it an opportunity to fulfill its normal life cycle in the field. And you know, if you do have any survival in the BT portion of your field, when those moths emerge and pair, the chances of a moth that's bred out of the BT portion of the field mating with a moth that has come out of the refuge is much higher because you're going to have this dilution effect of the high survival rate in the refuge area over the very low survival rate within the BT protected area. And that cross mating of your susceptible and non-susceptible moths helps prevent that resistance from developing. Right, yeah. And so it, it is crucial that we observe this. Um, and it's legally binding. I think that's an important point to bring forward. Um, it's legally binding in maize and it will be legally binding in, in soybeans. And, you know, it's critically important that we observe these requirements. Yeah, the portion that will be required to be planted as refuge is not something that your brand determines. It's an industry norm. 
So the amount of refuge required by industry will be in the order of 20%. So we don't really determine this. It's an industry norm that will need to be followed. The other thing about refuges is we know that when you plant the refuge, right, so we've already mentioned that you would like to have the same herbicide system applied across the Bt and the refuge crops. But one of the important considerations is that the refuge and the Bt crop are of similar maturity. It'll be exactly the same as what we're using in maize. They need to be the same growth class, roughly. They need to be planted in the same planting window or within a very narrow time frame of each other. And they'll need to be planted under the same conditions. So if you're planting soybeans under irrigation, you can't use the area outside the pivot as your refuge and plant your E3 beans out there and then plant your C3s under the pivot. There will need to be the same growing conditions for your refuge to be valid. The question that always comes up is, when can we see this new technology in the field? When can we see this new technology and we're dying for it? (laughs) Yeah, so because this is a new GM technology, we have to wait for deregulation before we can plant commercially, right? And so we do not control the speed at which deregulation occurs, so... The dossier has been submitted for for review and we don't know at this stage when deregulation will occur. And the deregulation part of the whole sequence is critical. So whilst it's still regulated, we can only operate under pretty severe restrictions, very similar to quarantine conditions. And so it's only once deregulation will occur that we can go ahead and start cultivar registration, we can start seed increases and all those things. So we wait for deregulation and then we know after deregulation we will need at least a year to get cultivar registration done. And once cultivar registration is done, commercial launch of the trait will happen pretty quickly. Because There are two novel herbicides. We also need to get the herbicides registered and this process also takes time. So we can't release the trait without the herbicide and we can't release the herbicide without the trait. So the two have to work hand in hand and it is a a complex interaction. But hopefully we'll get there in the end, Ant. Yes, absolutely. We really are looking forward to the anticipated launch of E3 and CE3 in the not too distant future. And just by looking at the herbicide side of things, I think that it will change soybean production in South Africa for good. Yeah, this is going to take us into the next 10 to 15 years of soybean production. I think it's really going to be a game changer for the whole soybean industry. Yeah, it's certainly the long look, you know, so it's not just putting out fires. This is technology that will be with us for many years to come. Grant, I think we have pretty much discussed the new technology coming through the pipeline. Thank you for having me again on your show, Ant, and thank you for taking us through this very exciting and interesting topic for the future of soybeans. Right. Until next time, it's been a guest. Take care.